51 years ago. It's hard for me when I watch videos like that to believe that 55 years ago, our nation was that divided by the color of our skin. I want to have a conversation today that might be a little different than you're used to uh, in a church service, but it's a conversation that I believe the Lord put in my heart back in October of 2017, actually, or 2018, and um, I want to take you on a journey of how we got here, and I want to talk about a, a topic that is one that really needs to be addressed, especially by the body of Christ, um, but it's a pretty sensitive topic, and so you might want to just listen today uh, and pretend you're from a different denomination and maybe save your amens just in case uh, you say an amen at a wrong time. Um, because sometimes I think we know, we, we think we know how we're supposed to respond to something, um, but if we really listen to the Spirit of God, maybe it's not the way we thought it was. Um, and so what I hope today is I hope that that song that we just listened to, and I hope those images, um, I hope they bother you. The song, as I mentioned to you last week, is actually released in 1984 by a band called U2. And the song was written to compare and contrast the two opposing viewpoints during the civil rights movement. During the civil rights movement back in the 50s and, and the, the 60s, um, there were two leading voices. One was Malcolm X. If you know anything about Malcolm X, Malcolm X promoted Islam. He promoted anger. He promoted hatred. He promoted violence. He, he preached that there needed to be two Americas. There needed to be a black America and a white America. And that the, the black population should fight back, they should rise up, and they should resist with force. That's what he preached. And the song is written to compare that viewpoint with the viewpoint of Dr. King, who advocated a nonviolent resistance that was actually accused by Malcolm X of being passive and not really dealing with the situation at all. Unfortunately, both of them saw the same fate. Both of them were murdered, interestingly enough. There still is a racial tension that is alive and well in our nation. And as, as a church, we can put our head in the sand and say it's not our problem. Um, and I'll be honest, I don't really know how to address it or what to do with it. But like many of you and many of the people in our nation, I know it's a problem. And I think we should do something about it. And when the Lord first put in my heart to, to talk about this, I thought, you know, who am I to talk about race issues? I really don't know enough about it. But uh, we're going to talk about it. And I know that in the, the program today, I said we were going to talk about um, seek first the kingdom. And in, in a way we are, and we're building up to that message. But I don't think we're going to get quite into it today. But... In your mailbox today, in fact, if you don't have a mailbox, I'm going to need a couple people to volunteer. Thank you for sitting in the front row and volunteering. Sorry. There you go. Okay. If you don't have a mailbox or you didn't go to your mailbox yet, could you raise your hand? If you don't have a mailbox and I want to get one of those to you. Okay. There's not enough to give to everyone. Yeah. So just people that don't have a mailbox or did not get your stuff out of your mailbox today um, because I want you to have one of those in your, your hand and uh, you're going to need it as we go through the day today. But this, 
this word restoration, um, and this is just a, a prayer list for you to, to pray through or to talk through, but I want to talk about where this word restoration came from. And uh, back in September, and you don't need to take time to read it right now. I'm going to read it to you here in just a second. Um, but back in September of 2017, the word restoration came into my, my heart, my mind, and I shared it with our staff. And we began to talk about it, pray about it. And like many of the other visions that we've had as a church and maybe things that God has been saying to us, um, everyone have one? Anyone else still need a copy? All right. Thank you, ladies, for your help. Jolene, I think we got them. Good. Thank you. You can bring them back. Thanks. We got them. You can make sure you take one, too. Um, but in 2017, this word restoration, our staff began to pray into it. And um, we shared it with our leaders in November of that same year. So November 2017. And by January the, of 2018, uh, we really felt like we, it wasn't really just a vision for our church, but it was a paradigm shift for our church that the Lord was leading us on. Um, he was really going to be doing something pretty significant, even though many of us at the time, and our leadership team is about 18 people that we were, were talking to and praying through with it, and um, we just weren't sure what it all meant. But in March of 2018 was the first time I presented it to our corporate body. And I talked about this idea of restoration. And what we talked about that day was the church being a living organism and not an institution. For most of us in our culture today, when we talk about church, we're referring to a building. We're referring to a service. Maybe we're referring to a denomination but for most of us in our culture, when we refer to the church, we're not referring to what the Bible refers to when it uses the word church. And that is the people who are that church, who come together as a, a body of believers under the headship of Jesus Christ and become that church. And so we talked about that day that for many Americans, we value, we tend to value programs and buildings and systems more than we value each other. We tend to fight for our preferences like carpet and paint and music and styles, but we don't fight to stay connected to one another. March of 2018, that's what we talked about. And we, we let ourselves become disconnected, and it's time to reprioritize as a church. And so that sheet that you have in front of you there, and I left my sheet over here, that sheet that you have there in front of you, um, the, the first side of that, there are five things listed. And those are the things on that day that we really talked about. And we put these four banners that are on the wall behind me, um, on the wall that day and we were talking about the call to reach the lost and to bring people into a relationship with God, restoration with God. And that doesn't just mean getting people to say a prayer. That get, means getting people to understand who they are in Christ because I'm convinced there are people who said a prayer as a child and have gone to church all of their lives and they're even late in their lives and they've maybe attended church for 50 years but still have no idea who they are in Christ. I mean, to them, their relationship with God is nothing more than going to church and reading their Bible, and that's it. It's not a living, active relationship like I described earlier today. 
where the Spirit of God actually lives in us and changes the way that we live our lives. And we talked about serving the poor and some of the things that God put in our heart, restoration for orphans and widows and people who are isolated and prodigals. Uh, I talked about ministers, people who have left ministry with a call on their lives and God wanting to restore them back into that. We talked about restoring relationships and being unoffendable has now become a part of that. We talked about the restoration of Huron and how God would put in our heart to work for the peace and the prosperity of our city by serving our city. We talked about planting churches and putting an Assemblies of God church in every community in South Dakota. That we want to begin to reach out to forgotten people in forgotten places. That people shouldn't have to drive 50 miles to be a part of a body of believers. Every single community can have a church. And we can be a part of that. There's no reason in the day in which we live technologically that we don't have a body of believers in every community. Because if sometimes you need your, your body of believers to come around you. And you can't wait 45 minutes for someone to get there. You need people in your community, and we want to be a part of that. And when we talk about training leaders, I don't want you to misunderstand that. In my understanding of the church, every single one of us is a leader. Every single one of us. There are no spectators in the body of Christ. Every one of us has called to begin to influence people around us. And so that really is more about discipleship and learning to make disciples of other peoples. And so we presented this vision. We talked about the beginning to seek the Lord and see what he's saying and to begin to listen with spiritual ears. And there's an interesting story in Genesis chapter 12 that I want to read to you that has really become, uh, it feels like my life over the last several years. And the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Okay, leave your security, leave your father, leave everything you know, leave your source of income, leave your source of community, leave it all and go where I will show you. We, we come to church every single week and reread stories like this. And the rest of the, the chapter just goes on to talk, so Abram did it. He did, and he went here, and the Lord said this to him, and then he made an altar, and he worshiped the Lord, then he moved on to here, and, then he, and the Lord just kept showing him where to go. And we love reading these stories in the Bible, and we're like, wow, this is so great, and we, we want to learn to trust and rely on God like that, and we read these stories, but when we're faced with stuff like this in our own lives, we're like, eh, I'd rather not. I'd really rather just keep coming here week after week and have you tell me something to make me feel better about myself and then, you know, hopefully when I die, I'll go to heaven. Well, that's not the kingdom of God at all. And that's not transforming our nation. Look around. It's not making a difference. And oftentimes in the church, we claim to want to lay it all down for him until we find out what the it is. And so those are the challenges that we've been talking about. And then in June of 2018, the downtown property at 208 Dakota kind of came onto our radar, and we began to talk about that. We began to present to you that we, we felt like God was leading us there, and we still do. I don't know if God is saying, <coughs> that's where our church campus is going to be. 
or if that's going to become some type of ministry center that our church operates, or if the community is going to do something and we're just going to cheer them on and be a part of it. I don't know. But we need to be praying into what God is saying to us as a church. If we're not praying together into what God is saying to us, how will we know? Most of the movements that we see in the book of Acts that began, began when people were praying together. And if we're not going to pray together, we're not going to know what God is saying to the body of Christ. And so I'm going to encourage you to continue to join us as we pray for what God is leading. Now here's the thing. As a church, we will make changes that remove some of our preferences. We will. We will not make changes that make it impossible for you to be a part of the body. Let me say that again. We will not make changes that make it impossible for you to be a part of the body. It, it may be a preference issue, but we will not make it impossible. And if we do make it impossible, we want you to tell us because that's not our desire. When we talked about moving downtown, we put in safeguards for that very reason. We put in additional parking and adequate parking and safety measures and making sure there was no mold so people were healthy. And we put in all of those safety measures because we want to make sure it's not impossible for anyone to be a part of our body. We want it to be possible. And so this idea of restoration continues to grow, and I continue to feel like God's leading me in this direction. And the question that I want us to ask together today is a question that I've been asking over the last couple years, is are we willing to walk into the unknown and let God show us? Are we willing to walk into the unknown and let God just keep showing us as we walk? The back of your sheet there's a verse at the top of it that comes from Galatians chapter 3. And it says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And then on the back, it talks about the ways that our nation is divided racially, through class, through gender, through generations, through denominations. And I believe God wants us to be a part of bringing restoration to those areas too. And I, I want to talk for just a few moments about racial restoration. Because I took a college visit with Madeline back in October of 2018. And we went there and we went to what's called a praise gathering at North Central University. And during that praise gathering, I, wanted, I couldn't wait to get there. I heard all about them. I just want to get in the back row with all these college kids worshiping God and just hide in the back and worship God. And I was. And it was great. It was fantastic. And I felt like God was present. He was saying things to me. And all of a sudden, I'm standing there worshiping. Do you ever get that sense that someone's looking at you? I got that sense, and I, I opened my eyes, and sure enough, there's a girl, like, right here, <laughs> like, hello. She's like, I was worshiping, and the Lord highlighted you, and I'm wondering if I can share something with you. Sure. She says, I see you standing in the rain. You're in the pouring down rain, and you're telling God you're tired of the rain, but God is using the rain to cleanse and purify. This is a good season. Trust him. 
I don't know when she left because at that point, I'm just like on the floor like, okay, God, I trust you. You're doing good things and I feel so confused and I don't know what's going on, but I trust you. And then all of a sudden, about an hour later, another young man comes up to me and he says, hey, are you Kedrick's dad? Yeah. He's like, I just saw you in a picture. Can I share it with you? I'm like, sure. Now I want to tell you something. Every time I go into a service with prophetic people, I'm like, I wonder if they're going to give me a word. I wonder if they're going to give me a word. And I never get a word. So here, I just want to be alone in the back row, and two people are bothering me. It's like, so <laughs> for those of you that are like, I never get a word. Well, stop wanting one, and then you'll get one. That's how it worked for me anyway. And she, he comes up, he says, I see you on a swing set with Jesus. And he is swinging right beside you, and you're both swinging. And he's saying, hey, look at me. I'm going to show you how to do this. I'm going to, he's pumping his legs on the, he's showing you how to swing. And he's like, if you watch me and trust me and do what I'm doing, I'm building momentum for you and you're going to see it. I'm like, okay, I don't know what all that means, but it's good. So then the next day we go to chapel service and I'm super excited because North Central Chapel, I love chapel. I listen to chapel. I love their worship time. And we sit down and uh, a Native American man gets up and he's got like two long braids and he gets up and he's like, hey, we're going to have a different chapel today. It's Native American chapel and uh, we're going to do worship a little different today. And uh, my name is TJ Two Braids. And then the rap music starts. Like, Lord, this is what we came for? I mean, I know it's a college visit for her, but come on. And so he starts singing this song, and it's a spoken word that he wrote, and it's about the, the, the perspective of Native Americans in our nation. I start weeping. And Madeline, at some point, looks over at me because she wants to see my reaction to what's going on. And I don't think she's expected that reaction, but... Uh, the Lord spoke something to me, and he challenged us that day. He said, you know what? For 500 years, the church has been trying to minister to Native Americans, and in 500 years, less than 5% of them are believers. And he said, the problem is the church has failed, and that's not an attack on the church. It's just the reality. But they don't want to do anything different. I'm like, ow. Last year, the year before this, over 250 attempted suicides on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, Native American Reservation. And he said, do we care? Do we even care? Are we even bothered by the fact that our national sports teams like the Washington Redskins are an affront to the Native American population? Do we care? I don't know. I thought I cared. So then, Christy and I are going back to North Central in 2000, November of 2018, one month later, and we've planned this spiritual retreat, and we're going there um, to have this spiritual retreat, same thing, Wednesday night prayer or worship service, and then Thursday chapel, and Friday chapel is here, and I am super excited. I mean, we have prayed together, we've had a great week together, we've done some fun stuff together, we've been in chapel services and worship services, but I am here to hear President Scott Hagen, because I listen to him, he is so wise, he says more in 10 minutes than I can say in two hours. I just, I want to, I'm, I'm ready to take notes. And he gets up and he says, I'm not going to preach today. And I'm ticked because the whole reason we picked this week was because you were preaching and your secretary told me you were preaching. But instead, my friend, Dr. Harris is going to preach today. Well, Dr. Harris is a black preacher from Virginia, full on organ and everything. Okay. Not my style. Not going to really get much out of this one. I think 
But his challenge that day is to the Pentecostal church because we have abandoned social issues. When those who claim to be baptized in the Spirit should be leading the way, we have walked away. And he begins to challenge us to stop talking about the problems because we're all on board with the problems and we need solutions. And God has solutions if we're willing to let him show us. And I'm like, Lord, what are you doing to me? You know, I don't, I don't know any, I don't know what to do. And so he gave an altar call and I'm like standing there thinking, I need to go get prayed for, but I don't really want to, we're in the balcony, I don't want to walk down there. These are college students. I, I, and my wife turns to me and she's like, do you need to go down there? <laughs> like, yeah, I just don't want to go. And so I went down and I don't know, remember what he prayed, um, but Somehow, in the next month, a book came across my lap. And there's a book written, it's called The Dream King, King by Matt Lockett and Will Ford. And if you know Matt Lockett, Matt Lockett is the bound for life guy that prays against abortion. He's social justice. Um, they put the tape over their mouths and they do abortion rallies all over the, the country. And he came together with a guy named Will Ford. And it's a long story about how God brought them together at a rally on Martin Luther King Day on the, the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, he brought them together. And the ancestry of these two men, Matt Lockett, his ancestors were the slave owners of Will Ford's family. Okay, so Matt is white, Will Ford is, is, is a colored man, and God brought them together. And they talk about the prophetic events that are taking place in our nation. And the book is called The Dream King, and it's how the dream of Martin Luther King Jr. is being fulfilled to heal racism in America. And as I'm reading this book, I'm seeing that God is working behind the scenes to bring racial restoration to our nation. But, you know, when you watch CNN and Fox News, all you see is, like, the tensions are rising. Well, let me tell you, if God is at work behind the scenes, of course the tensions are rising. But we need to get our news from him, and not from CNN, and not from Fox News, and not from any other your favorite sources, and dear God, not from Facebook. Okay, And we need to start being a part of what God is doing. And so I started devouring everything I could find by Martin Luther King. And you know his, his experiment of love is what he calls it. And when he first started to preach about this nonviolent resistance, and I'm not saying that everything Dr. King said was right, and I'm not saying every way they went about things were right, but I want to put just a few quotes on the board, and then I want to give you a couple scriptures and a couple points and hopefully do it all in the next 16 minutes. So we'll see how I do. Um, the, the first thing that he says is, that is not the first thing that he says. My notes are not in order. So give me just one second. Yeah. Actually, that's the screen I'm pushing, but that's not the screen that's on the board. So let's try this. Yeah, there you go. Okay, apparently if I push the screen before it, the screen after it pops up. So there you go. So he says this, to meet hate with retaliatory hate would do nothing but intensify the existence of evil in the universe. Hate begets hate. Violence begets violence. Toughness begets a greater toughness. We must meet the forces of hate with the power of love. We must meet physical force with soul force. Our aim must never be to defeat or humiliate the white man, but to win his friendship and his understanding. 
And he began to preach about this nonviolent resistance. And this is what he says. This method is passive physically, but strongly active spiritually. It is not passive non-resistance to evil. It is active nonviolent resistance to evil. So it's not doing nothing. It's just not being physically aggressive or overtly aggressive. And this is the exact same model that Jesus gave us when he taught us to lay down our lives for others. We think we're going to reason people into the kingdom. We think we're going to argue them in. We've got the argument. I'm going to put this on Facebook. It's going to change the world. No, it isn't. It's going to increase the hatred that we see in our world and continue to divide us more and more. Then, a second basic fact that characterizes nonviolence is that it does not seek to defeat or humiliate the opponent, but to win friendship and understanding. The protests that seek humiliation of another misses the mark. If you notice, civil rights movements did not disrespect the flag of our nation. It actually displayed the flag of our nation and said, come back to what this nation is all about. This is not who we're supposed to be. And so we, we, they were trying to win people over without humiliating or without shocking them. But today, we feel like we have to shock people. In fact, the video that I showed you, I had to get Pastor John to kind of take one of the scenes out because I didn't want you to see the two and a half second clip of two black men hanging from a tree. But that was the reality of the day. But I didn't want to shock you with it. But that seems to be what we want to do today. By the way, if someone kneeling in protest of the national anthem upsets you as a believer... You need to make sure that your identity is in the kingdom and not in nationalism. Okay, make sure that you're not rooted and grounded in gaining your identity from a flag of a nation. Because when we come into the kingdom, we get our identity from the kingdom. We're no longer Republican, Democrat. We're no longer American or some other nationality. We are kingdom citizens. And we fight kingdom battles. Unfortunately, in our society today, we have all of these people doing all of these things, trying to raise awareness. Well, okay, we're all aware. We need some solutions now. And you and I should start promoting solutions to the problems. You say, well, who are we? I don't know. Who was Daniel? Who was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? People that know their God will do great exploits for him. That's what Daniel chapter 11, verse 32 says. So then the third characteristic is that the attack is directed against forces of evil rather than against persons who happen to be doing the evil. Over and over, Dr. King would say, we are out to defeat injustice, not white persons who may be unjust. And yet in our nation today, we go to name-calling and labeling those that we disagree with. The fourth point that characterizes this movement is the willingness to accept suffering without retaliation, to accept blows from the opponent without striking back. That's, that's just crazy to me. You saw in the videos that fire hose were the weapons of choice to spray the crowds to get them to leave because they were sitting on a sidewalk where they were protesting a white-only area. 
So let's spray them with fire hoses so we can get them to leave. And Malcolm X says the only way people are going to learn is if you get violent with them. And Dr. King says never. Never. Because all we do the moment we become violent is reinforce the evil behind the violence. The fifth point that Dr. King gives us is that nonviolent resistance to nonviolence is that it avoids not only external physical violence, but also the internal violence of spirit. The nonviolent resistor not only refuses to shoot his opponent, but he also refuses to hate him. See, we can pass laws that force people to be segregated, but have we done away with racism and hatred? No. Because no law passed can actually change the inside of a man. Only love can. So while he promoted change to our laws in our nation, he actually promoted the change of heart that would actually bring healing to our nation. He says this about the love of God. Agape is not a weak, passive love. It is love in action. Agape is seeking to preserve and create community. It is insistence on community even when one seeks to break it. Agape is a willingness to go to any length to restore community. It doesn't stop at the first mile. It goes to the second mile to restore community. It's a willingness to forgive, not seven times, but 70 times seven to restore community. The cross is the eternal expression of the length to which God will go in order to restore broken community. And the sixth principle that he gave in that same speech about nonviolent resistance is that it is based on the conviction that the universe is on the side of justice. There is a God of justice. And as we sing every Christmas, joy to the world, justice will prevail. It's already written into the history of our, our world. Justice will prevail. And when you and I slip into unkingdom-like or ungodly type of methods to fight against it, we lose. We lose. See, race is not a new issue in our country. It's not a new issue in our world. Race is not a new problem. In fact, in all of human history, there has not been more animosity, more hatred, more violence, or more bloodshed than between Jew and Gentile. When Jews talked about uncircumcised Gentiles, they would spit every time they did it. If you as a Jewish person would ever marry a Gentile, your family would have a funeral for you because you were dead to them. The Jews would never allow a Gentile into the temple. They would never eat with them. And they would have ceremonial washings anytime they would go into public places for fear that they would have been contaminated by Gentiles. Talk about racism alive and well. But it's no better on the other side because to the Gentile, Jews were subhuman and their hatred and their oppressiveness of the Jews has been longstanding from Egypt to Assyria to Babylon to Greece to Roman to the Roman Empire to the Nazis and to today, racism against Jews is alive and well. And yet, in Ephesians chapter 2, I cannot make Ephesians chapter 2 appear on the screen. If you can find Ephesians chapter 2 and make it appear, I would appreciate it. For he himself is our peace, Jesus, 
who has made the two groups, Jew and Gentile, one. He's destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself, listen to this, one new humanity. One new race, if you will. Making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross to which he put to death their hostility. This kingdom people is what you and I have been called to do. And when we come into the kingdom, he says he calls us out of the kingdom of darkness and he brings us into the kingdom of his son. In the next time we get together, we're going to talk about the kingdom of God because some of us misunderstand it. Some of us think the kingdom of God is like a political kingdom of the world and it's not. It's nothing like it. If you remember, when God called his people to be a kingdom to himself, he didn't want to give them a king. But they wanted a king just like everybody else. And we're going to go all the way back to Cain in Genesis chapter 4 and see what Cain did when he came out of the presence of God to establish a kingdom on earth that was aside from the kingdom in God's presence. And so you and I sometimes try to fight our battles and we try to fight them through a political system. And a political system is great. Christians should be involved in government. But the political system is not going to bring peace. It can't. Because it's a kingdom of this world. And you and I are called to live in a kingdom not like the kingdom of this world. And we're called to fight for the racial issues, the class issues, the gender issues, the the generational issues, the denominational issues. We are called to do it. And I'm going to give you four things to write down right now. And don't worry, they're not going to take long. That you, we can do if we're going to fight against this. The first one, I have no idea where it is, but if you can put it up there, I don't know what's going on. My iPad is demon-possessed today. We need to clean, clean your slate regularly. Clean your slate regularly. We talked about this last week, 2 Corinthians 5.16. From now on, we regard no one from a human point of view. Every single one of us in this room, when we see a person of a different class or a different gender or a different race, we have a human viewpoint that's based on our upbringing, our experiences. It's, it's based on all kinds of stuff. And we need to clean those things daily. Even when people act the way we expected them to act, we need to clean the slate. We need to make it easy for people to try to begin to change and to produce change. But what happens is, is when we get into a dialogue with someone and we've got this preference or this, this veil over our eyes, I know that that's how women act. That's how men act. That's how poor people act. That's how rich people act. That's how black people act. That's how Native Americans act. That's how da 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 And so we start hearing through that lens. So we're no longer listening to the person that's talking to us or what they're saying. We're listening to our preconceived ideas. We have got to learn to clean our slates regularly. Number two, we need to not clean our slates regularly. We need to listen to understand. I'm going to let you just do it now. Listen to understand. James chapter 1, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. It's not about convincing someone else that you're right and they're wrong. 
there's not always a right and wrong. Sometimes there's just two ways of looking at the same thing. Now, don't get me wrong. The Bible's clear. There's sometimes a clear right and wrong, black and white. There is. But not as much as we, t- we tend to think. And the way our political system is set up today, it's divisive. I mean, it's red, it's blue. Is this state going to win? I mean, CNN and Fox News, don't even turn it on. Trust me, from a recovering political scientist, don't even turn it on. All it does is stir up, is, is my side winning? Is my side winning? First of all, I don't have a side. My side's not even on there because my side's not even American. It's kingdom. Listen. Ask people questions. Don't assume you know what they're saying. Learn to ask questions of them. Number three, build bridges, not walls. Build bridges, not walls. By the way, this isn't just about racial issues now. I mean, this is class issues, gender issues, generational issues, dominational issues. This is any issue between people. Okay, you can apply these to all of them. But 1 Peter 3, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. That's easy to hear on Sunday morning, (laughs) but go to work tomorrow and have somebody insult you and see what comes up. That's the litmus test. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Why? Because we're, we're fighting a spiritual battle. And so when someone comes at you with an insult, you don't need to You don't need to disarm them. You need to disarm where the insult came from. And when you speak a blessing, you've just disarmed the principality, the power, the spiritual forces that are at work. But we tend, we tend to want to just try to to do it different. I just want to force people to see, or I just want to, you know, I want to get my congressmen to, to vote this way so that everything goes the way I want it to go. And the last one, you're going to love number four. Go first. Go first. Romans 12, 18, do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, if you're at the altar and you're offering a gift, and there you remember someone has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and be reconciled to them. Go first. You know, in Huron right now, we have something called connecting cultures. And there are events that pop up for us to be able to go and interact. And they're funny right now because when you go, uh, you see this culture over here and this culture over here and this culture over here. And none of them are interacting with each other. In fact, if you've ever tried to, to understand someone from a different culture, it's hard, isn't it? Because, I mean, they have an accent, right? You, you don't. They do. And so, I mean, it's... It's kind of funny because we all do, but we're just used to ours. And how are we going to get better at understanding what people with that accent are are saying? Having conversations. But what do we tend to do? Eh, Well, they're so hard to understand. Well, you're not going to get better sitting over here complaining about it. You're going to have to have conversations. We're going to have to go first. See, I wish I could put up all these points. This is how we're going to change our nation. This is how we're going to do racial restoration and class restoration and gender restoration and generational restoration and denominational restoration. This is how we're going to do it. I don't know how we're going to do it. But I'm willing to take a journey and say, God, whatever you want to show us, we'll take that journey with you. However, we can be a part of that solution for them. 
See, when we talk about restoration, we're talking about a paradigm shift. When we talk about Restoration Church, we're not just talking about, you know, changing a venue or changing how we do things. We're talking about changing everything. I know for some of you, you just totally shut me out right now and you're like petrified. Um, Not just changing for the sake of changing, but changing to effectively be what God has called us to be. To effectively make a difference in the world where God has planted us. And we're going to talk about that more as we go into the fall. And we're going to look into the life of Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. And we're going to see how they made a difference. Because, you know, we live in a culture where we have to stand for truth. And sometimes it's hard to know when do we stand for truth and when do we love people? How do we connect with people and yet stand for truth? And, and I think Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego show us how to do that. And we're going to talk about that as we go through the fall. But... Here's a question, again, that we have to ask ourselves today. Are we willing to go where God leads us? Are we willing to go where God leads us? To bring restoration with God, restoration for orphans and widows and isolated people, restoration of relationships, restoration of Huron, restoration for small communities, racial restoration, class restoration, gender restoration, generational restoration, and denominational restoration. Because that's where I believe God's calling us. And here's the thing. As you pray into this list, if you pray into it with us and God says, this is not where I'm leading, then you need to be praying for us so that God shows us that too. But if you're praying into this list and God's not saying, this is not where I want you to go but we just don't like it. We're going to have to wrestle with that. But here's what we have to do in the process. Fight to stay connected. See, churches have believed this lie for a long time. If you and I disagree on an issue, we can no longer worship together. We can no longer even have a conversation together because one of us has to be right and one of us has to be wrong. And again, every preference issue doesn't have a right and wrong. And so we have to wrestle through that. And one of the areas in denominational restoration is this idea that we take things that people say and we use them against them. So I can't listen to that preacher anymore because he said this, so he must have false doctrine. Or this guy over here is false doctrine and false doctrine. And that's a big thing in this area. And uh, we're going to We're going to tear that down too, but we can't do it the way we've always done it because the way we've always done it sometimes just stirs up more division and more hatred and more violence. And so I maybe gave you more questions today than I gave you answers, but I took you on a journey with me and I want you to stand and I want to pray over you as a body and I want us to pray that God directs us that he leads us, and that he helps us. And here's the thing, as we pray again, if you're willing to say, God, wherever you lead us, I'm going. Here's the receiving posture again. And so as we pray, as I pray this prayer, if you agree and say, hey, I want that for me too, I want you to receive it in that same way. And so Father, today, we thank you for what you've done. 
We thank you for sending your son to tear down every wall of division and hostility that exists on this planet. God, you have brought us back into relationship with you. We can know you. We can, you can live inside of us. You've made everything new. And not only that, God, you've torn down every wall that divides us from other people. You've taken every class, every gender, every race, and you've made us one as sons and daughters in the kingdom. And God, we admit today, we, not, we aren't sure what that looks like. Because all of our models on earth are human models. All of our governments, all of our institutions aren't kingdom models, they're human models. But God, we want to be a kingdom model. We want to be ones that bring people into relationship with you. We want to be those who bring restoration to orphans and to widows and to those that are isolated. God, we want to be those who bring restoration to this city. We want to be those that bring restoration to small communities in this area. We want to break down the racial divisions and the class divisions and the gender divisions and the divisions that exist even in your church. God, we want to be a part of that. And so Holy Spirit, continue to lead us, continue to direct us, give us wisdom, show us the, the way to go, give us grace. Give us grace to apply even what we've heard today to clean that slate every single day. God, not to judge people by our own experiences, not to judge them even by their past behaviors, but God, to treat every situation as fresh, to listen to be slow to speak and slow to become angry. God, put these things deep in our hearts. Transform us and make us like you today. And now, Father, I pray your blessing over this body today. I ask that you'd bless them and keep them. I ask that you'd cause your face to shine on them and be gracious to them. Lord, lift up your countenance upon them and give them peace. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, thanks for being here today. Um, as always, if, if you need prayer and you haven't had a, a chance to be prayed for, our prayer team always stays around here in the front, and uh, we'd love the opportunity to pray with you before you leave today. God bless you as you go.